The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world who thinks that Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez just should have used their words. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And I'm kidding. That was great. Yeah, just throw the gloves down and just start talking it out like uh, like sensible adults. No, that would be no fun. That would give us no podcast fodder to enjoy. Uh, on this episode of Baseball Barbacast, it's Monday, August 7th, and we're going to be talking all about a legitimate brawl. Not a base brawl, a brawl brawl. I disagree, Jordan. I disagree right off the bat. Not a brawl. All right. Not a brawl. All right. Well, we will get to that. That's obviously going to be the good first chunk of our show. And then our second half, uh, review a, a truly wild weekend in in just results and teams uh, going in very quickly in, in separate directions after the trade deadline. We've got some teams that are completely collapsing a week after they dealt away all their players or acquired a bunch of players and then teams stuck in the middle. A lot of fun stuff from this weekend. We're going to get to all that later. But you know where we're going to start, where all baseball podcasts are beginning this morning. Jake, throw those hands up. Let's let's get ready. Let's get ready to duke it out on this podcast Who's going to throw the better uh, punch uh, in terms of who's going to you know make the better point about this brawl? Because everyone is going to go on baseball podcast and say, I know the takeaway from this fight. And Jake, that includes us. We have all the answers. We know exactly what's going on. No, we don't. We're just going to talk about what we saw and what it makes us feel. It is my favorite baseball story of the year, friends. And that is because it is layered like an onion. There are so many aspects to this brouhaha that spark thoughts in my tiny little brain. But before we hop into the specifics of Anderson v. Ramirez, I want to talk about brawls again. Actually, let me start. Here's why it's not a brawl. There were really only two people were punching one another. There was some pushing and some yelling between the two teams, but this was a fight. Is what this was. I don't I, think this was a brawl. What was a brawl is what happened in Montgomery, Alabama on Saturday. True. You saw that's that. That's true. That, that was definitely qualifies more. I would say there was more than just pushing. Like the second wind of yeah. this uh, fracas included some from coaches too, where it did seem like there was some at least aggressive pushing, maybe even some swinging, some reaching. This is another yeah. interesting distinction between no. between reaching, pushing, punching. This we'll was talk about. about all that. This was about, okay? Yeah. This it was certainly a looked showdown. like about. That was yes. what was so unique about this is we can start to kind of paint the picture right. of what happened here. But why do baseball fights captivate us? I was thinking about this all day yesterday because on Saturday night, it's a Saturday night. You can watch any type of fighting, punching that you want online. You on can't avoid it. You, you know, cannot I, avoid it, okay? Th- this is just one of the things that I do not enjoy at all is the Correct. amount of, of punching and fighting that is on television, particularly on weekends. Now, I love boxing. I don't like it when fake boxers who are celebrities box. So I did not watch uh, interchangeable Paul Brother, the former MMA fighter, on Saturday night. I know that that it happened, though. Yeah, um, I, sure. But why? Like, we could just watch that. Why are we watching this and being like, this is crazy? We could watch boxing all the time if we wanted. Mm -hmm. Same thing with hockey, right? Hockey fights happen all the time. Mm -hmm. But in baseball, when we see people legitimately trying to punch one another and make contact, there is an implication of genuine animus, that there is real hatred and disdain between parties. And when most baseball disagreements end with posturing and chest pushing and a mountain slide of hold me backs whenever we get real hands being thrown it is christmas jordan schutzman and that is why i cannot wait to pick apart 
every aspect of Anderson v. Ramirez. Well, I think the other element of it too, which is which is fairly obvious, is baseball. There now, obviously, we have people throwing at each other, which is problematic in and of itself, and we talk about the violence within a sport, right? But there isn't as much in baseball that involves, especially as we've moved away from catcher collisions and hard slides, especially recent years, we've moved away from any sort of physical uh, confrontation as part of the sport. That has been removed from the game to in a way that in other sports it just naturally exists, obviously in football, obviously in hockey, obviously in basketball too, where you have more physical contact between opposing teams. Whereas in this case, when you actually have a situation that results in hands being thrown, you know that something something's going down. And another relevant part of this conversation, you know that there's something more than what you are seeing Correct. on the field. I think that is another important point. For all the kids listening, Here's my take for you. You shouldn't punch people, but sometimes you have to. <laughs> ideally, Thanks, we would coach. All, ideally, we would all make it through our lives without ever having thrown a punch, right? Without mm -hmm. ever having to get into a fight. But if you are in certain situations at certain times and you are challenged in a way that you feel crosses a line or you got to back somebody up and you got to throw punches... You got to throw punches. Mm. That's my advice. Mm -hmm. Now, for kids, chances are, on a baseball field, you never have to throw a punch, children. Mm -hmm. That's my advice to you there. However, I think punching is bad is too simple of a take. Um, and I think that if you're watching Anderson v. Ramirez and you're like, how do I explain this to my children? Just think a little bit, and then you can. It's actually not that hard. I can't wait to have kids, Jordan, so that I can explain to them all the unexplainable things that society tells me are so difficult to explain. Sure. Uh, I mean, it's, that's, it's awfully confident of you uh, because you- My I, job you, is to communicate thoughts on a podcast, so- No, I, I know. I know. I'm down. just saying, be careful what you wish for in terms of you're going to- Right. At some point, you'll be sitting down with your kids like, damn, I actually don't really know- Huh. How to explain this? And I was bragging on a podcast in 2023 about how Damn. I was looking forward to this. Hmm. Let's get into the specifics, though. Let's get micro. Inning irrelevant. Score irrelevant. Because this game, besides the punches thrown, irrelevant. Teams sort of relevant. Yeah, the Guardians didn't they clinch last year in Chicago? And there's some bad blood between these yeah, two. They're, they're and, division teams. They're division rivals. They right. play each other a lot. They've seen each other a lot over the years. Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson have probably played sixty games against plus more against each other over the last you know, correct many years. Those two characters is relevant, but I'm saying yeah. the specifics of this game. Jose Ramirez ropes a double down the right field line, slides headfirst in a second because he is Jose Ramirez. Tim Anderson receives the tag, puts it on him, and almost straddles Jose over him and is there a little bit too long for Jose's liking. Jose kind of taps his leg to get him to move. They pop up. As Jose pops up, he taps uh, Tim on the head. Tim says some words back to him. Tim throws his baseball glove off his hand, puts his hands up towards his face as Ramirez does the same. Malachi Moore, the uh, umpire, originally tries to keep him apart and then soon realizes there is a wave that he cannot stop and makes a correct business decision to vacate the premises quickly on Malachi Moore. No notes. Some like There's no point in getting in the way here. Don't be a hero. Let fate take its path. Great. Great job, Malachi Moore. He's been a pretty bad umpire this year, but he nailed this. Okay. Hands go up. And I've watched it a hundred times now. They're John a little bit. Tim throws punch number one. And just misses the back of Ramirez's head. In fact, just misses to the point that he gets some hair. Yeah, he gets some of Ramirez's Jose dreads. ducks. Jose get kind of he he kind of leans down to the right and avoids Correct. the first punch, or at least the mo most of the blow. Right, and so he gets some hair. Jose at this point ducks his head and just starts wailing wildly. From a technique perspective. Tim Anderson looks like a better boxer slash fighter than Jose Ramirez, despite the outcome here. Now, that's not important because our man Tim did get walloped. Whoa, spoilers. But, whoa, sorry. whoa. Easy, from, we're not there yet, dude. I'm just saying, like, in terms of how it looks, 
Jose is just swinging, baby. Just swinging. No, I do think that's an underrated element of this. Correct. Jose takes swing number one and comes up very empty. Hits him a little bit in the in the chest, but nothing crazy. Jose's head is still down. Tim rears back for round two. And by this point, Michael Kopech and Elvis Andrews have, are, are on the scene. All right. They have arrived. Punch number two from Tim, similar to punch number one, misses Jose as Jose ducks again, catches a couple dreads as he goes by. Two ferocious punches from Tim Anderson. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to rewrite history here because he missed and he lost. But punches looked okay. And then the windmill heard round the world, or at least the Midwest, or at least the AL Central. Jose Ramirez ducks down and just swings his right arm without looking as he is in a headlock under Michael Kopech's left arm and catches Tim Anderson on the left cheek with a closed fist. Tim, upon getting hit, Stumbles back, stupefied, like a spell had been cast on him, and hits the dirt. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Kopech restrains Ramirez, pushes him away. Underrated part here. Ramirez, after realizing he got Anderson, just kind of skips away from him. He's done. Right? Tim is on the ground, and Jose is like, I'm good. And he, you can see he kind of moves away from it like he knows he has already won the fight. Then we have benches clearing, shoving, pushing, yelling, whatever. That's not as important. I guess the other important things from the middle of the brawl are the brawl-ish. Ho, uh, Eloy Jimenez somehow getting an injury and Tim being ushered off the field while slumped by some of his teammates. And then running back on the field. And then running back on the field. And also, because uh, we had a few more ejections, Classe was not happy. Now, yes. and any baseball, this is before we get back to the specifics of, of Anderson Ramirez, like another element of any sort of baseball fracas is that some players, whether they were initially involved or not, will be more aggressive and angry than others. And that will tell you two things about a person who's coming to someone's defense, right? Mm-hmm. One is that the person coming to the other person's defense is very close with or looks up to the afflicted party. Mm-hmm. And I believe that is mostly what's going on here. I would imagine that a lot of the young Latin players, particularly a lot of the young Dominican players on the Guardians would leap in front of a fucking freight train for Jose Ramirez. And then the other thing it tells you is who's spicy, right? Yeah. And I think maybe a bit of that is class A, but I mostly in this case think you F with Jose Ramirez and you're going to catch some real heat from the Guardians. Totally. I just wanted to mention that because he was the only other player that got ejected. Mm-hmm. So that it, it, in a, in a fracas of this magnitude, that does tell me something that he must have really been getting in there, presumably running yeah. from the from the bullpen and getting this angry. Um, and so that just felt worth mentioning. And then also a couple of coaches, not just the managers, but that's what was maybe the other interesting element is that the, some of the spiciest moments were the coaches getting at it as much as it was the players, which is also really... relevant just because I, I just think it's relevant because that tells me more about the status of these two teams and kind of where their, where their, where their heads are at. Well, that's the thing, right? Why weren't other players brawling? Maybe it's because they didn't want to because they don't like to punch, which fine, whatever. But maybe it's because they're two teams probably not destined for October and people don't want to lose paychecks. And that I totally understand as well. But I think the Ramirez-Anderson component of this is important before we kind of do Jose and then do Tim as separate things. These two players have spent so much time on the field with one another. They are both superstars of the game, multimillionaires, who have been the faces of their respective teams for over a half decade. Very prideful people. Probably both somewhat narcissistic and uh, people with outrageous amounts of self-confidence, right? People who see themselves as as unfuckwithable, right? And so when those two clash, you get something like this. If this had been, you know, uh, Zach Remillard 
and Jose Ramirez. This doesn't happen. And if this had been uh, Brian Rocchio and Tim Anderson, this doesn't happen. These two guys needed to be these guys, and that's why we got what we got. Let's begin with Jose Ramirez, Jordan. His role in this fracas, and talking to people around the league about it yesterday, Jose Ramirez's kind of Q rating around baseball is sky high. People all around the game, from all walks of life, all backgrounds, countries, nationalities, respect the hell out of this guy. Now, part of that is because he is short. <laughs> That's a big part of it, is that he's short. And players love players who, quote, punch above their weight, obviously. Mm -hmm. But the consistency with which he has performed over the last decade, the regularity with which he plays, he posts. Players love players who post. And he really doesn't say that much stuff, <laughs> right? He generally just has a dip the size of Missouri in his lower lip, and swings really hard from both sides of the plate, and clobbers opposing pitchers. That's what Jose Ramirez does. Got, and he he runs his ass off all the time, right? Yep. And that's, Players, we, you know, we we had, you know, Andre not on here last year talking about Cleveland and just how, like, he has kind of set the tone for anybody that is going to play for Cleveland uh, since he since he's gotten there, and, right. and if you know if you know how he kind of got to that point, not just you know early in his life and his career, but just going from someone who everybody told him you're going to be a nice utility man, and he was like, no, actually, I'm going to be one of like the ten best players in the world. That's kind of what has driven right. him to great heights, and that is why he is respected, obviously adored in Cleveland, but also across the league. I think Ramirez's status around the league is important when you're talking about Anderson. Because if this fight was Josh Donaldson against Tim Anderson, it would be very different. Not just because of the racial breakdown, but I, I and I do think that's part of it. People around the sport do not like Josh Donaldson. And when he got into it with Tim Anderson, it was incredibly easy and simple to take Tim's side because Josh, by all accounts and purposes, by people who know him, is not the, the, the coolest cat in the kitchen, right? Ramirez being the foil here complicates things for Tim. It is not cut and dry. And it is makes it easier to look at the dynamic and a, a Tim's reputation around the league in clubhouses because he's going up against Ramirez, someone who is so universally respected, and not Donaldson, who, when he called Tim Jackie, immediately put himself on the losing end by being racist, right? So that's... Mm -hmm. I think that's where I'm at with Ramirez. I can put a bow on that. Anything else on Jose? I mean, it's just like he's being heralded as the as the winner here because he got him and he's Jose Ramirez and he's a Hall. Well, of but that's and, the thing. Like, like, this is the other thing about this whole situation is just like if if he doesn't land the punch and they both just swing wildly and then got pulled off each other, we're not even. I mean, we're talking about this today, but like, it's not. It's not the same thing because Correct. unfortunately, but also because of the way that we react to anything, especially when you describe something that can break out of the baseball bubble into something else is when you have a clip like this that is yeah. going to go viral and you're going to get someone gets knocked out and then it becomes an even bigger thing than it already is. And I so wanna, I think the result is relevant too. And the narrative here is very reliant on who made contact with who. Because Tim could, I mean, you know... I, two inches lower on punch number one and he's clipping Ramirez in the back of the head and we have a totally different story this morning. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that is both... That's just important to understand because who wins the fight physically both changes and doesn't change all of the shit resulting from it. Like, yet, like it, it doesn't change anybody's intentions going into it or motivations going into it. But no. like at the end of the day, like Tim Anderson lost. He lost. And so he has to deal with the repercussions of what it means to be the person who got hit and not the one who hit, mm -hmm. right? That is a reality of this. Let's spin it to Tim Anderson, okay? It has been a bad year for TA7. That is an unavoidable fact and a key part of the story and how we talk about his presence in the fight. Things that have happened to Tim Anderson this year. He was on the uh, USA team for the WBC and 
all anybody could talk about. Manager Mark DeRosa included and all these other players on the USA team, the best American players in the world, some of the best players in the world. Tim Anderson looks great. Tim Anderson looks different. Tim Anderson looks impressive. And then he came out this season and was an absolute catastrophe from day one. Also important to note, he has had quite the roller coaster year off the field by his own making. Okay. He had a child with a woman who was not his wife. And that has caused quite a bit of consternation for him personally behind the scenes and has no doubt led to some frustration and caused some of the, I, I would say it's fair to call it some of the reason behind his mediocre play. Not like mediocre. you're having a bad time off Seems the field, you're like going to have a bad time at work. Now, again, that's his own fault. He went on, I believe, Ryan Clark's podcast about a month ago and talked about all that. I don't want to rehash all that here. It's just important to understand that Tim has had a bad and tumultuous year on and off the field. And uh, just a bigger picture on the field, as he is struggling, the team is spiraling faster than you ever could have imagined. You know, it would be one thing if he was, you know, hitting 240 and not hitting any home runs and the White Sox were battling for postseason position. Or the opposite. Or if he was kicking ass and the White Sox sucked too. Totally. But every possible thing was kind of going wrong, right? Tim's on-field ineptitude combined with the White Sox tumble down the standings is evidence that his tenure in Chicago was a failure or at least was not what it was supposed to be. This The end to this story is not storybook. And that would get at you. Talking to Lucas Giolito, friend of the show, who was in Chicago overlapping with Tim for a while, I know Lucas Harbor's regret for how his time in Chicago ended. This is not what any of these guys were dreaming about as they started getting better together in 2019 and 2020. This is not how they wanted this to end. And yes, some of that is their own fault, obviously, but that still wears on a person. There's immense disappointment every day when you look around. Imagine Tim Anderson walking into that clubhouse every day and all you see is evidence of communal failure. That weighs on you, man. That's a bummer, right? It's a sinking ship. And I think that's important to understand. I'm not trying to like pour sympathy on Tim Anderson, but it is important to understand the dynamic at play here with Tim and how he's feeling in this moment. And we all knew where the season was going, you know, by early June. But then once they also trade everybody away, like Lucas, like, you know, like Lynn, like these guys who have been there, like that is obviously signaling a white flag in a way that is even more official. And that's another layer where it's like, well, shit, man, like what are we what are we playing for now? Right. Not that they weren't going to the postseason in, in May or June, but it's, it really kind of adds another layer of just like, what is why am I excited to go to the ballpark today? And so, yeah, it's there. it was every possible thing was going wrong. And the last point I want to make about Tim before we make some jokes, because it's okay to... It, one and two are true. Multiple things are true. Theme of this podcast, everybody. It's okay to dunk on Tim Anderson. He got hit. He went down. He took an L. And he's got to hold it. But it's, under, it's really key to understand why Tim Anderson is Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson has lived a life that you or I, Jordan, cannot begin to comprehend growing up black, in the South, in baseball, where every single thing in the sport is pushing against you and your your culture on a regular basis. That's I, We just can't comprehend that as two white dudes from suburbia. You know, like that's just beyond our comprehension. And the way that that impacts a person and creates a kind of me against the world mentality over the course of 10 years in a sport is really key to understand it fosters a back-against-the-wall mentality for Tim Anderson that, on one hand, has made him incredibly successful and made him more money than he could ever have dreamed making or we could ever dream making, frankly. But it also has created a persona around him that makes him somewhat disliked around the game because of his you know, brash self-confidence and his, um, his approach to the sport. An approach that I think is awesome and is great. We need more people who act like Tim Anderson in, in in this world. But at the same time, it does create like a 
a thought within the game that like, oh, I don't like this guy. He's too loud. Oh, he's too selfish. And when Tim is bopping at the plate, when he's kicking people's ass, no one can talk shit against him because he's, he's hitting 300. Mm-hmm. But when his OPS starts with a fucking five, that changes the dynamic. And it is important to understand that like he's in a position now this season of his own creation mm-hmm. because of his own decision making. People have been looking for a reason to put Tim Anderson down for a long time. And now he has given them myriad reasons this season to do so. Right. Which sucks. Like that yeah, it just sucks. bums me this out. This part sucks <laughs> because like. Tim lost and we can dunk on him and he looks like a dummy. People in uh, the clubhouses I was in yesterday were calling him glass jaw Tim, right? Which is hilarious (laughs) and also a bummer because this is not how we wanted the Tim Anderson story to go. When he hit the walk-off home run in the fucking cornfield in 2021 (laughs) and he said he'd never seen the movie and he didn't give a shit about it. This is not where we were supposed to be two years later. Almost two years later exactly by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's exactly right. And they, they still, you know, show that clip and, and that's the thing. And, and this, this shouldn't hopefully be the end of the team energy story by any means. It almost certainly is the nadir, but it is by not the dip. by the yeah, dip, but it is, it is, uh, it is not the end. So there's, there's a lot more that's going to happen here at the same time, Jake, we've already talked about this for 20 minutes, but, um, I mean, like, again, this is why it is relevant that he does land the punch, regardless of how we, what you think about either of these players, is like you just don't, in the same way that the Odor punch obviously lives on because it landed, and you have that still image of Jose Bautista's face being, you know... <laughs> rearranged. <laughs> being rearranged and his sunglasses flying off. The image of, of Tim like stumbling backwards in almost what looks like a, it almost doesn't look real. Like it literally looked like a knockout punch. It's just, sorry, like that's just, we're just going to be seeing that forever. And even if Tim Anderson comes back and is hitting 330 next season, as soon as he goes 0 for 4 and grounds out against Cleveland and the game, you're going to see that a hundred times. Like that's kind of how our uh, culture works now. Because Jose Bautista is both the recipient of that punch and much, much more. It is a key part of his legacy when we look back on the career of Jose Bautista, but it is not the totality of it. It is not. It is and it is not, if that makes sense to people. Mm-hmm. I think Tim being the butt of the joke over the last 48 hours so publicly also really bums me out because we this is a player that we really wanted to succeed. And that that is kind of, I guess, what I take away from it, that this it's fun and it's memorable and it. It's very ripe for jokes, but seeing Tim hop on the Twitter box machine and unleashing a string of tweets yesterday, like, who's that good for? He's just digging himself an even deeper oh, hole. People have been, been tweeting through it for a long time. Of I mean, course, that's, but yeah. it's just evidence that Tim is going through it. He's having yeah. a rough time at work and beyond it, and this was very much the knockout blow. Yeah. Last point now. One more. I just want to say one more time. You lost, Tim. You lost. You got hit. This year has been a big fat L. Put in your back pocket. Come back later. And that's my last thing. Tim Anderson has overcome so much to get to where he is now. He has beaten many odds. This is a guy who didn't really play competitive baseball for a long time. Went to a JUCO first round pick. People thought they were he was going to have to move to center field. He stuck at shortstop. I would not bet against him to figure it out and be a productive player for years to come. Yeah. I don't think this is the last we've seen of him. Maybe that's a hopeful mindset, but I think that's a false narrative to paint. And I think Tim Anderson will do something else that makes us happy over the next couple of years. I agree. Uh, Although I will say that I think the one other point we should hit on before we take a break, is is the White Sox. Um, well, also, can I first say, too, that, like, Tim's going to get suspended. Ramirez is probably going to get suspended. Now, the White Sox end up winning the next two games, including the one that the, the fight happens in. And like, Well, the Cleveland, best part of – time out. The best part of the Sunday game is Classe is, blew it. <laughs> is not only did Classe blow it, but he blew it because of two throwing errors by, by the third baseman, Brian Rocchio, who was playing third base probably – because they gave Jose Ramirez a half day off as the DH. And 
Cole Calhoun is playing first for Cleveland, which that should tell you all about how much they believed in their team to begin with. Um, so like, it's not like they're shocked and obviously they could, I guess still catch Minnesota or whatever, but like Cleveland now is going to have Ramirez suspended and are probably their season is probably sunk anyway. So that's ironic. But the White Sox is like yesterday we, we get some, some reporting from Jesse Rogers, ESPN who talked to Keenan Middleton. I know you talked to him too over the weekend, the newest, newest Yankee, the big, you know, Yankees, their, their big splash of the deadline. Keenan Middleton, who we quite enjoy. It's not his fault that he was the big splash at the deadline. But anyway, he kind of went on record and was like, yeah, like it's a circus over there. Um, there's no rules. There's no accountability. Nobody takes anything seriously. And he was looking forward to getting to the Yankees because there's standards and all these things. And without going too deep, uh, yes, this is things we've been hearing about the White Sox for multiple seasons, both before Pedro Grafal was there and now in his first year as manager. And it's just a reminder of, you know, we, we, we've talked a lot about the White Sox and their direction and how bad it's been and talking about Rick Hahn and obviously ownership and how nothing's going to change until the guys at the top change. And that is kind of where I'm at on this. And I mean, of course, it'd be nice if Pedro Grafol was doing a better job, but I'm not really sure how easy it is for him to work with both the personalities on the field he has and also the people above him. And this is a... Oftentimes what happens when you have these organizations head in this division, it's, it's a rotten organization. And... That is kind of you. You kind of get what you end up committing to being stuck with, and that is the White Sox, to an extreme degree, and in a very uh, a very small group of teams, right? Where I mean, listen, look across. It always starts at the top, and when you see teams that struggle year and year, just over and over and over for reasons that you can't quite understand because of the talent on the field, it's probably because of things that you can't see. And uh, I think that the White Sox are yet another example of that. And I don't know how they. I don't know. I, I want to be optimistic about Tim also, but I, I don't know why I'd be optimistic about the White Sox. Um, I, I guess I got some good players at the deadline. They did the right thing to sell, but it's just like, man, I <laughs> this is just in a, they're in a dark place uh, as an org, and I don't, I'm don't i not really sure how that gets turned around. Last thing about the brawl. Tom Hamilton, who is the radio broadcaster for the Cleveland Guardians, it's one of the greatest baseball broadcast calls of all time yeah, because when you go to work as a baseball broadcaster, you are expecting to call exactly one sport on any given day. No one goes to a baseball game and thinks hockey is going to break out or rugby is going to break out or badminton is going to break out. But in the matter of moments, Hamilton pivoted from a baseball game to a boxing match and down goes Anderson, down goes Anderson. I will remember that forever. People were just saying it around Yankee Stadium yesterday. Down <laughs> goes Anderson. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and it helps that he was already such a beloved broadcaster. Of course. Um, so both him and Jose Ramirez, who were already legends in the city of Cleveland, yeah. uh, their stock somehow tripled <laughs> over the weekend. That is our too deep analysis of one punch. If you agree with us or disagree with us, you think we missed anything, make sure you can email us, baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. We're going to come back after the break and talk a little bit about some actual baseball games (laughs) that happened over the weekend. We'll talk to you in a second. This is former PGA Tour winner Smiley Kaufman, host of The Smiley Show, a SiriusXM podcast. You want to know what I love about golf? I get to talk to some really cool people. I get to walk the fairways of the best courses in the world with the best players in the world, and I get to share it with you every single week. Listen to The Smiley Show right now on Stitcher, Pandora, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Smiley, S-M-Y-L-I-E. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast, Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. Jordan, people always ask me if we fight. <laughs> they do. They do. Isn't ask. that weird? Yeah. Do they ask people ask you that? Yeah, no, I, I I've gotten that question. It's it's actually it's funny. You, you we get both sides of the spectrum, right? Like when we lived in New York, it was like, oh, like you guys live together, right? But no. then they ask us if we fight. <laughs> it's like, okay, which one do you which one are you hoping for here? No, the answer is no. We've never fought. No need to email us asking us if we fought. 
because we've never fought. Yeah. If we did fight, one of the things we would fight about are the Mariners and the Angels who played each other over the weekend. My new love, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, took on Jordan, Seattle Mariners. Mm-hmm. And do you hear that? You hear that splishing and splashing <laughs> in the background, Jordan? Is that a oh, clean Oh, boy, wood that floor is getting real clean. Why, mm. Jordan? Uh, they mopped them, baby. Uh, oh, the oh, M, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> the M's, go M's is go mops because the Mariners took four games in a row from Ooh. the Angels in dramatic fashion on multiple occasions. We already talked about that first win, the Cade Marlowe one on Thursday, and then just three more uh, kind of nail biters. Uh, the Angels had a chance to win all of them. Uh, they also had a chance to lose all of them, and that was the chance that they took. Jake, I'm Gotta wearing take my the Mariners. <laughs> Got to take the chance when you, when you get it. I'm wearing my Mariners hat on this podcast for I think the first time all season. Obviously, I like to give more love to minor league teams, uh, the major league teams for the, for the most part. But uh, this is certainly the most proud I've been to be a Mariners fan uh, over this uh, this season. They have been the best team in baseball since the start of July. Oh, just kidding. They're tied with a team called the Baltimore Orioles, so look at us. Um, We can talk about this upcoming weekend in a little bit. But as far as this series went, you know, last week and a couple weeks ago, you know, praising the Angels, they went for it. And you said, I'm cheering for the Angels. I admit it. And I said, oh, well, are you going to go down with the ship? And you said, nah, I'm going to jump off as soon as it gets shaky. Well, it's only August 7th, Jake. (laughs) Angels postseason odds have somehow gotten to the lowest point they have all season since they acquired five players. This is about worst case scenario for a weekend after the deadline is possible. Remember how we were feeling when Shohei Otani had his superhero uh, showing in Detroit during that doubleheader, but it really was a reminder of like, okay, well, that was in Detroit, right? And as we all said, even before the deadline and before they acquired all those players, I was like, that's great. Like you can reload, you can go get players. And and I still agree that even if it's the dumb thing to do, it's the right thing to do to ride it out with Otani. I stand with that, right? And everyone's saying, oh, they should have traded him. I mean, sure, but we're, we're, we're far past that point. But they really are entering about as brutal of a schedule as you can really have in August at the worst possible time. And obviously starting with Toronto, series loss, Atlanta, series loss. You get mopped at home by the uh, Mariners. And now you got Giants, Astros, Rangers, Rays, Reds, Mets. They, they suck now. And then Phillies. So, like, this is – the fact that this is going to go so far out of the – off track this quickly is is um, troubling. But also, if you're surprised, sorry. I don't know why you are. So, I'm a coward for sure. And so, you said, like, are you going to jump ship? It's not about jumping ship. It's just you don't think about it. When you hop on a bandwagon <laughs> – That's true. You're on it when they're winning. And yeah. you're not, like, off it when they're losing. You're just doing other shit. Yeah. Like if if the Angels are currently on an L6, right? Mm-hmm. And I just have other activities. No, it's life. so true. That's a great point. Um, as, for, as for the Mariners, I mean, they're just suddenly the offense is great. I mean, when you can win the games where Luis Castillo gives up seven runs, uh, you know, they use their relievers. They use Brash and Munoz, of course. Earlier in the series, they can't use them on Sunday. They get two innings but from dude, Taylor Saucedo. Jordan. But, Jordan. Yeah. The Mariners last year were the Mariners because they would win these irrational games. Totally. They would pull stuff out of their ass and rack up W's against all odds. And as Thin Lizzy once said, the boys appear to be back in town. (laughs) These are the Mariners I remember. Oh, yeah. And that's that's what's been been frustrating because there are components of this team that have been in, in, in place that have played well. And it just has not all clicked at the same time. You can say that about obviously teams like San Diego, but this is obviously the this is the Mariners now hotter than the Padres or any of these other frustrating teams have been all season. And yeah, it's it's, it's obviously cool. I'm I'm certainly enjoying it. Uh, Julio looks a lot better. The pitching and 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 obviously like I'm always going to root for Paul Seawald, but like Paul Seawald allowing two home runs yesterday as Taylor Saucedo you know delivers a two out save like. That's kind of why you make the trade, because at some point you have to, tr- not because you think Paul Seawall is going to suck, but because you trust 
that you are the Mariners. And if there's one thing you can do well is that you can pull bullpen outs out of nowhere. And that is what they continue to do. And that's why they are going to be in a great position to get a wild card spot. Now they're two and a half out and uh, looking great. All we hope is that it stays close. The Angels being seven out right now is not good for the neutral entertainment value of the AL wildcard race. As long as they're like five back on September 1st, I'm interested. I'm yeah. locked in. I have one toe still on the bandwagon. <laughs> okay. And that's all I'm looking for. Jordan, let's run through the rest of the results over the weekend. If anything interests you, please stop me. There were, besides that mop, five sweeps in Major League Baseball. Yeah, five and a half. Five and a half sweeps. Five and a half sweeps. The Orioles sweeping the Mets at home. The birds are good. The Mets are bad. Can I make it any more obvious? Finally, revenge for 1969. <laughs> Miracle Mets rolling uh, over in their grave. Jake, I know they've played three more games, but the Orioles have the same number of wins as the Braves. Yeah, I'm not particularly scared of the Orioles right now. Like, I'm not worried. That's what I mean. Not scared. Worried. I'm not worried. They're really good. They're really, really, really good. And I've yet to really reckon with it. Maybe we'll do a podcast episode where I just have to think about it and think about what it means. Well, but I'm not ready to say, do that yet. Let's just get this out of the way now. Although we'll talk about it again on Wednesday and Friday. The Mariners and Orioles are playing this weekend. I'm getting married this weekend. Jake and I will be in the same place while the Mariners and Orioles get the a, a true a true clash. I'm like, I mean, remember 2019, the BBQ Bowl when our two shitty teams were just you know flopping around against each other, and we were just like, oh, this is hilarious. Oh, who's gonna win? This feels very different. I hope that Jordan, maybe my wedding speech is just gonna be me reading out the Mariners score. It, it might as well be. Uh, it'll be that after. How's it going, everybody? Right. I'm Jordan's good friend, Jake, and I'm just going to... Okay, here we go. Julio Rodriguez, one for three with a walk. <laughs> just going through the box score, Perfect. team by team. Oh, okay, I'm looking forward to that. Anyway. Blue Jays sweep the Red Sox. The Red Sox are very bizarre. What the, They're the weirdest team, dude. I really don't want to think about them, but they make us think about it. They have... A whole yak. I think you called it the Yakety Sacks highlight reel. <laughs> continues. Have. Alex Verdugo with a mystery benching. At the beginning of the season, the vibe around Verdugo was he's in much better shape. Yeah. He's ready to be a leader. Bogarts is gone. He's going to step up. Nope. Nope. Not just dumb, dumb stuff. Case. Alex Cora alluding. Oh, this was a terrible day for the organization. Not just because we allowed Davis Schneider to kick our ass. Shouts out to Davis Schneider. I enjoyed Davis Schneider, like a 27th round pick, worked his way through the Blue Jays system, raked in the minor leagues. I so he he has like 11 hits over the weekend or something. And they asked John Schneider, not related, like, hey, like, what are you going to do? Like, you know, I need to find ways to keep him in the lineup. He was already batting third. Like, I assume he's going to stay in the lineup. Like I don't, I don't really know what the what the question is. If he has you know ten hits, obviously they're they're trying to fill in here for um for Bichette while he's out. It is funny they trade for DeYoung and Davis Schneider just goes ham. Right, can't predict baseball. Rangers sweep the Marlins. The fish are getting a little stinky. They are officially, oh my god, half game out of the wild card. Gasp. Three Not and seven good. in their last ten on an L four. And the Rangers sweep this, but they a uh, big loss because broken thumb for y Josh Young or Yash Jung, whoever you choose to pronounce it, AL Rookie of the Year finalist likely. He's going to be out for a long stretch. Not great for Texas. Yeah. Uh, it was a 110-mile-an-hour line drive from Jorge Soler, which he converted into a double play. But that, yeah, that it's dangerous to stand there when Jorge Soler's hitting. So happens. That's why they call it the hot corner. Twins sweeping the D-backs who are scuffling. And the Twins have uh, gotten some daylight here in the AL Central. They are up four and a half over Cleveland. Looking likely like Minnesota will have yet another opportunity to get swept in the AL TS this year. I guess it would be the wild card round. But Jordan, I'm here to ask you, are you aware who started for the Minnesota Twins? I, I did see because I, I did tune in for some of that game. Um, I... How, Sway? Here's the thing about this. It's Dallas Keuchel. Here's the thing about this. The Twins pitching has been great. I know they've now had some injuries, but it's like I'm confused. I can't decide if this is like, I, obviously, you know, it's an injury, whatever. 
is this just like a heat check of like, ooh, let's see how good our pitching really is. And it seems like it's working because Dallas right. Keuchel pitched pretty well. But incredible, it is weird. Like, we need We need offense from Minnesota. Incredible line from Dallas Keuchel. Five innings, eight hits, one run earned, two walks, no Ks. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Love it. Brilliant. No notes. They won yesterday on a walk-off jack from yes. Matt Walner. Yes. And it was interesting because they made all basically no moves to the deadline. It's like, why didn't you trade one of your 1,000 bulky lefty outfielders, infielders? It's like, well, because those are the guys that are hitting. <laughs> we need offense so badly. Even if we have too many of them, we need to keep them around. On the flip side, Arizona. 0-6 since the deadline. 5-17 and 17 since the All-Star break is the worst record in baseball. Miami, 5-16. and 16. The fact that them, the Reds, who we'll talk about in a second, and Cincinnati, Reds, Marlins, D-backs, all just crashing back to earth and they're still ahead of the Padres. Really frustrating for everybody involved. Nats sweep the Reds. Don't have a whole lot to say here. Reds are scuffling. Hopefully they can pick it back up. And then the A's swept the Giants, kind of. They won two games, just two. Not sure why it was only two games, but it was. And then, uh, so those are the sweeps. Those are the sweeps. Series wins. 2-1 two, two, series wins. The Cubs, two games over the Braves. Might as well be a, sl- a sweep. Getting bludgeoned on Friday before taking the games on Saturday and Sunday. The Chicago Cubs are hot. They are currently in the third NL wildcard spot. Who would have thunk it? We're going to go a little bit deeper into the Cubs on Wednesday. Very excited about that team. The Phillies, after an embarrassing L on Friday against Kansas City, come back and win on Saturday and Sunday. Trey Turner game, finally signs of life from the $8,000 million shortstop. He was three-run bomb on Saturday. Injury for Brandon Marsh, not great for them. Already kind of a shaky outfield defense was pretty reliant on him. I expect we'll see a lot of someone named Johan Rojas, who has been actually pretty solid for the Phillies. Yeah, he he'll up. certainly fill in defensively. He's better than Marsh defensively. We'll see what he is um, on offense. But yeah, that that could be a, a big loss. That Their offense is just so uneven. It's just so weird. really frustrating to watch. But they're they're good. They're in good shape. The Saturday game was also a classic Bryce Harper locked-in day. Mm-hmm. I recommend going and watching his at-bats. You know when Bryce is just on it, and it's like, oh, right, he's incredible. Right. Uh, White Sox, two games uh, over the Guardians. Did you see this? It was a fight. Yeah, yeah. Something happened, I think it was, right? It was Andrews uh, against Bo Naylor is what I saw. Wild. Rays over the Tigers. I watched a grand total of zero of this. Same. So zero. None. Speed through that. Uh, Rockies over the Cardinals. Austin Gomber, six scoreless in a revenge series against the Cardinals. Gomber was the main piece who went <laughs> somehow, from St. Louis to Colorado. Somehow the was the deal. main piece um, in the Arenado trade. I guess Ella Harris Montero, who's also on the Rockies. Part of the Arenado trade, too. But nice to see Gomber kind of dealing. It was It was – so, obviously, the Cardinals have sucked for a while. But, like, it is interesting because – the nature of watching you know, any, any weekend, especially down the stretch, you want to prioritize, you want to watch the games that matter. And it is still a little strange to see the Cardinals game and just throw it in the trash. Like that, those, the Cardinals over there, that game means nothing. And it's August. Like that is a very unfamiliar feeling. Three other series, the Dodgers and Padres are playing tonight. For some reason, the Dodgers are up two games to one in that one. Honestly, a split for San Diego in this is not a disaster. They have made up a good amount of ground since the deadline. They are still, I believe, three back in the NL wildcard. Again, if they're three back at the start of September 1st, that's fine. They yeah, have I been mean, playing I- better. They. It is so funny to see 55 and 57, two games under 500 with a plus 69 run differential. <laughs> I mean, I agree that like, yes, if you just ignore, but like I, I would be going nuts if I was still under 500 still when you have the Reds and Marlins and D-backs just like actively losing essentially every single day for the last three weeks and you can't still pass them is yeah. like, whatever. I agree. They're, they're in, they're in a decent spot here. It might end up just being them and, and the Cubs or, or the Giants for that last spot, but they have, they have more work to do there. Cold take is they're going to make the playoffs. I feel very good about it. I've decided I woke up this morning on the Padres side of the bed. Pirates Brewers split a four game set. Didn't watch a whole lot of this one. The Brewers are just slowly shedding some ground to the Cubs in the NL Central race. That's the thing. Uh, You know, the AL Central race, maybe Cleveland is just going too far in the other direction. 
But the Cubs, you know, the, the Brewers have been frustrating enough to where they and also Cubs at plus 75 run differential while the Brewers are at minus eight. Like, I mean, of course, it's cool to see the Cubs in that wild card spot, but like, I, I don't really see why they're not going to hang around here for the division race, too. Yep. And it might be more about Cincinnati and Milwaukee for that wild card spot. The only series we haven't yet to talk about is Astros Yankees, the rematch of the American League Championship series from last year. Remember that series? It was like a high school team playing a little league team. Yeah, maybe that's why it doesn't doesn't really feel like uh, the most important thing in the world. But you attended all four games. I don't think you saw every single out, but you were there in the building for all four. And um, I mean, again, as we often say with these with these big series, we say with the Subway Series, like the split, like no one is really satisfied. The Yankees had some wins in there that would seemingly get their feel like their season is kind of moving in the other direct in the right direction. You have a Carlos clunker and an injury on Sunday. You have Giancarlo Stanton running slower than anyone thought possible. I'm so glad we acknowledged that a couple weeks ago. And then it somehow got worse. So there's still – and Judge looked horrible the whole weekend. So that was another thing. So I just don't even – Severino sucked. Like, what do you – What do you? I guess Nestor, right? Nestor was pretty good. So you feel Nestor good was that. great. That was big for them. Friend of the show, Jake Bowers. Might be time to yeah. get Jake Bowers on the pod. Now. He has been. He has been. He has been excellent. Frank uh, Bowers. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah. the Astros – my big takeaway, actually, from being around them, it's a fun group, dude. It's so easy to just point at the Astros and be like, oh, well, cheater, cheater, cheater. But when you spend time around this club and you see all the people in there and you're like – Oh, the only offensive players still around who were there in 2017 are Bregman and Altuve. And yes, they're two of the best players, but everyone else is pretty rootable. Chaz McCormick is an absolute endearing doofus who just is raking. Yeah. No, I know. Jake Myers, two home runs yesterday. Astros are are sneaky likable if you're able to look past the past. Sure. No, and they're in in good shape there. Um, So I... Obviously, you know, Texas played super well. They haven't lost since the deadline. So, you know, we thought Houston was just going to come take first place and then never look back. The Rangers are, are plenty good enough to, to make this a division race. But, yeah, I, I still feel pretty good about Houston uh, going into this. And then if you're, if, you're the, if you're the Yankees, right, I mean, now you go on the road and play the White Sox, a team that, of course, is, is in complete disarray on multiple fronts. And I have to imagine that uh, – Wow, Cole Cease tonight. That's going to be spicy. But in general, like they they got to really start taking advantage here. Um, interesting road trip: White Sox, Marlins, and the Braves uh, coming up for the Yankees. So they are, you know, they they benefit from the Red Sox also being a bit of a mess. But there is still way more work to do if they are going to secure a postseason spot. All right, Jake. I think we did a podcast. That's, well, that was fun. We'll be back on Wednesday, as we always are, um, and then Friday in the same place because my wedding is in six days. Sure. More on that uh, coming later this week. But until then, thank you to Chris Tyler for producing, as always. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast at gmail.com. Leave us a rating, review. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you would like to hear more of, what we're doing well what we suck at. All those things are welcome. Uh, this is just go ahead. It's, it's a free podcast reviewing country. So go ahead and say whatever you like. Thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you all on Wednesday. Serious XM Podcasts. <laughs>